Good afternoon and welcome to the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you. Jack Michaels on the road. We got Travis Dunn in the house. It's a busy day today. Jack, how are you doing? Hello. There's not a safe deer within seven counties. Good afternoon. Yes, well, that's kind of what it is. And certainly, uh, as we just got going here in North Dakota, and tomorrow Minnesota gets underway for the deer openers. So, tis the season, first full weekend of November. And it means everything, right? We got postseason volleyball, postseason football. We got state cross country going on, and that type of thing over in on my side of the river. So yeah, it's just kind of a whole bunch of stuff going on right now. I tell you, the uh, yesterday we had, as you mentioned, you heard from some of those cuts there. Of course, the the wild gets shut out. Ooh, uh, Houston ugly. and Philly. This the World Series continues to be uh, fantastic, by the way. Uh, and then the Phillies fall short. That goes back. And I I kind of caught in a little Minnesota. High school football playoffs yesterday, uh, not the very least to being a, and Brad can speak to this because I know he was he was behind the mic of this, not the very least being a very controversial finish. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, boy. At the Dome yesterday. Had a little, uh, yes, it had been pretty, uh, I don't want to say uneventful, but I think the teams that were favored won the first three games with Fertilbelt Trammy and uh, Kitson County Central and uh, Manoman Wabin doing their things. But uh, East Grand Forks did Honestly, a lot of good things last night against yep. uh, DGF. They kind of tried to DGF, DGF a little bit, uh, control the clock, grind it out, uh, hurt by some turnovers. They finally score in the final seconds. And uh, I was talking to the uh, writer from the Grand Forks Herald, and he was down talking there after he talked to Ryan Kosowski, the uh, East Grand Forks head coach. And and the one thing that uh, Ryan said, he, he didn't want to get into the controversial call. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, to a man, he said, well, well, guys, what do we want to do? Do we want to kick the tie or go for the win? And it was unanimous. The kid said, we want to win it here. Yep. Uh, roll, roll out pass by the quarterback Carpenter. Uh, try to hit his wing back out in the flat. There was some contact. And if you look at the replays, it certainly looked like defensive pass interference. You could have made a case for it against DGF. It's an incomplete pass, no call. DGF's off to state for the third straight year. And I'll say this about it, too. I think it's one of those – and, Jack, you've heard me call this many times, say this many times. For where the defender was, yeah, it would be pass interference, but because the ball wasn't on the money per se, that's kind of maybe why the official let it go because it was a little bit behind. Does that make sense? I mean, No, you make a good argument. And and I'm not saying – if they throw the flag, I could certainly see where they throw it, but I think – where was that, too? It's one of those things where I've always argued so many times, certainly in the NFL, a pass interference rewards a bad pass many times because the defender's trying yep. to do what they did, and then the underthrown ball gets yep. there, and, and then they're coming back for it and becomes face guarding, and that kind of what has happened here a little bit. And so it's it's a tough deal. And I'll say this, and I say this how many times, Jack, East Grand Forks had opportunities long before that oh, to maybe right. go up by no two, two well, touchdowns. Let me throw, there's so many layers today, and I want to get back to the going for 2-1, so I hope I can remember a, a comment. I'm going to throw at you guys about this today, too. Uh, I said this last week during the uh, the college game against Abilene Christian, and uh, and it was on a, a P.I. that wasn't called that certainly looked like, like there was contact. And going back to your game last night, uh, Brad and, and Derek, you're talking about DGF and East Grand, and by all means, uh, East Grand, I'm sure if Ryan were here, he'd say we had ample opportunity right. uh, to, to not have it be like that. But something that happened last week, I remember telling uh, Tom Doshis on the air, uh, when it looked like contact on a route and a ball that was kind of thrown in a little bit or underthrown, and I said, how much is it on a receiver, too? Because I think on my call I said, boy, a receiver could make that a lot easier if he sold the pass interference penalty. Like if he went after it, 
you know, and, and almost force that contact where you force an official to go, oop, that's a flag. And not saying that that could have happened maybe yesterday because Derek's right. The ball bread, right, it appeared it was in a little bit. Receiver is, is on the on the perimeter more in the end zone, and there's the defender in between kind of doing a, a phone booth vertical block, if you will, I like to call it. They're kind of, you know, the hands are up. You know, you're not reaching out and grabbing, but you're in that, <laughs> no pun intended, you're kind of in, a, in an interference type role. And if a receiver tries to go through, it almost draws and sells it more. Now, that's a lot to get to, but we see it happen in the NFL quite a bit. An underthrown ball's receivers are smart. You know, they're going to go in and almost force that, and you force that that back judge or field judge or side who's ever there uh, to throw it. So that's what I was thinking on that. But, Derek, you're right, obviously. And, and Ryan is a, is a good man, a football guy, and I'm sure he would say, look, we had opportunities. That doesn't make or break it just happened at that call. But oftentimes a receiver can actually sell that interference better yeah. uh, by by an action towards a an underthrown or an in-thrown ball. Yep. I think that's if, if maybe if the receiver are coming back for the ball more, I think you're right. I mean, that's yes. how it goes. Yep. And on the two-point guys, uh, Derek and Brad, it's funny. Oh, boy, and Brad, you might remember this. It was Devil's Lake. Really? Oh, Nelly. Yeah. Uh, how many years ago, Brad? 2000. I was at the Dome 2009, I believe. And I brought it up on a sports show because we're all right, right? You, you, you go for, you know, let's go. What do you want to do, boys? Let's go for the win. Everybody good going for the win? Yeah, let's go for the win. So, you know, it's it's admirable. It's 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 the uh, you know, it's the thing to do and it's a leave no doubt. We took our shot. We had our shot. You know, this is it. It's that attitude. But it's funny. I brought that up I think on a sports show a couple of days after that particular game uh, with the Devils Lake one. And someone had uh, had called in or messaged in and said, "Jack, I disagree." You don't leave it in your players' hands. You rise above it, and as a coach, you kick the extra point and force overtime, which is going to give you a better chance to win in that particular whatever game. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay. It was it was a different angle. It was like ninety nine to one on the thing where like we were all in like, of course, a great job. He talked with his players, and they had this d- democratic vote, and everybody was all in, and they leave nothing that we're going to walk away here knowing that we gave it a shot. So I was all in on that. And then I took one call and said, I disagree. I think the coach takes out of his hand. You, you kick the extra point. You force an extra session. Uh, take a deep breath and go with it. So and anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because when you were talking about you know, you know the the goal for two, and everybody was in. I recall that happening years ago when someone kind of made me think in a different way that I I certainly wasn't thinking. Last night I was listening to you, Brad. I'm thinking, out of boy, Ryan, go for two. Yeah, that's what you do. Go go get that win. Well, I think sometimes, and I I recall one that I think UND had uh, a few years ago. I I'm trying to remember. They were playing an FBS it was one of the Kentucky schools, and they were they had really taken momentum. And really, and sometimes you kind of, kind of coach by feel, and then in making those decisions yep. where you feel like you you've dominated the second half, you don't want to get into an overtime. Let's just go ahead. We feel like right. we're confident enough to win it, and I, I think that might have been the case too. Where East Grand Forks held the ball for seventeen plus minutes in the second half, they had really taken the DGF offense away. You score, why try and uh, you know play more if you got one play to make, one play to win it, one play to get you into the uh, state title, why not take a crack at it? Kind of similar to what Central Cast did against Kendry last week. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, it, 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 and you're right. I think it is a field. You know, who's got that particular mo 
you know, and, and you've been designing plays that have gone for one, for three, for five, for seven, uh, maybe some misdirection, some counter, and you've got a team on its heels or maybe flat-footed, you know, trying to hold on. Uh, or is it, yeah, you're right. It's a, to me, you know, it is a, it's where is the game? How's the feel on that? But the, you know, back years ago when I brought it up, you know, and someone said, uh, don't ask your players, <laughs> make the decision. That's what coaches do. And I'm thinking, well, oh, oh, I was kind of like happy going, I'm glad they had a democratic, like every kid you looked in the eye and they all said, let's go for it. So anyway, so I thought I'd throw that up. I don't, Derek, I don't know where you said, I mean, is it, uh, look, I'm the coach and the way I feel is that overtime is better. Uh, I know you kids want to go for it, but trust me on this. Now, of course, if you do that <laughs> and you don't win, <laughs> That's a big one to swallow too, but that's that's sport. That's why we love sport, you know. Yeah, I don't know necessarily East Grand Forks uh, point after attempt situation too. That's not a hundred percent in high school either. Well, their kicker, um, their kicker was actually their quarterback, and he had a forty-yard field goal yeah. at Purim the week before. So, so I think I mean, it would have been capable. Could have been there. Yeah, I, mean, in, so. I never will fault a coach for going for two ever. No, that's just, exactly right. I never will, especially at that level too. Yep, for sure. Uh, Wheaton Herman Norcross won the uh, 4A nine-man game that uh, just completed here moments ago at the Dome. So Wheaton's off to state. They beat Verndale 40-14. to So game one of five down at the Dome today. Ooh, I am, uh, I'm sitting in an airport about ready to take off to Terre Haute, Indiana. I'll bring you guys back some things, you know, from, from Terre Haute. But it, it's going to be a great – this is really one of the weekends. You know, the World Series is going to wrap up one of these days this weekend. You know, we're going to have more of those section title games coming up at the Fargo Dome. Uh, you know, more heads at home tonight, Kevin Feeney's group. And then, you know, North Dakota side, everybody's trying to punch their ticket for the Dakota Bowl, which is next week. And that's barely even scratching the surface. You know, in the college football ranks, we talked about, you know, big games in the FBS level and, and FCS level. Guys, I, you know, deer hunting, as we talked North Dakota today, Minnesota tomorrow. Is this not the the, the fullest weekend in, in sport we have of the year? For goodness sakes, guys. Well, I would I would argue maybe next weekend might uh, might trump well, that, it, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. You're getting I, into uh, uh, you know I think a Bison basketball. They have their exhibition game now. The men go to Arkansas and Kansas. A great test for Dave's team, and now you're going to get into. Uh, some basketball, a lot of levels. I know uh, the NAI has NAI has started. Uh, JUCO is underway. Got the Mondack tournament going on at Four Bears today. Um, yeah, a lot of things going on, and we get into that crossover, and that's when it gets real busy. Hey, uh, Bill Self won't be on the sideline, by the way, uh, Brad. No, Dave will. Uh, Dave will not get to visit uh, much with Bill Self <laughs> there in uh, Mother and Lawrence. By the way, by the way, what's up with that? I know that they they impo- they no pun intended they self impose some penalties uh, at Kansas on that. Did I see part of it? Because their um, I think their shoe deal and, and and gear deal is with Adidas, if I'm not mistaken. And what was the deal on uh, part of that? Was it they they were asking like Adidas employees to to help promote the school outside of maybe some other use of a car. I don't know what, I don't, I, I think it was more of an Adidas. I don't want to speculate too much here, but is is that all that's going to happen to Kansas? What they self-imposed or is the NCAA going to, going to come down harder on that? Hard to know. I think what they try to do here is to be pre, you know, preemptive on everything. And then hopefully the NCAA will be easier on them is why they do these type of things. But right. You know, I'm just shocked, shocked that Kansas might've been, you know, Bending the rules a little bit. I always am with some of these bigger schools. I just shocked by it all. Yeah, you never know. You know. What's the other? What's the old adage, Derek? And I forget if it was Bobby Bowden or whatever says, uh, 
90% of the colleges in this country do everything, cross the I's, doubt the T's, and, and do things right. And the other 5% go to bowl games. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, that's <laughs> Whatever the... <laughs> win national championships, I think, yeah. Um, or win national championships or something like that, the yeah. old adage, yeah. yeah. UND need to, uh, I, I think Indiana State's, de- even though despite the record, definitely on their radar. We saw they gave the Bison a scare a few weeks back. Yeah. And uh, anything to be concerned about uh, when they head to Paradise here later today? Well, <laughs> that's right, just like living in Paradise. yeah. <laughs> I look at the two schools, uh, The uh, for, for NDSU walking into into Macomb, you know, it's an odd trip because you're, you're you're flying elsewhere, you're driving, you're busing, it's not a great environment, you know, but yet, you know, they should pretty much, you know, do what they want to do, I guess, against the Fighting Letternecks. The UND game, you're right to think that way, guys. I, I This is one of those where the all the you should should come out. I mean, you should be able to run the ball. You should be able to convert third downs. Indiana State is near the bottom in all of FCS in opponents' third down uh, percentage. UND is not exactly that far away, but UND is also near the top in third down percentage <laughs> completion. So, you know, there's that. So I could sit here and tell you they should run the ball well, they should move the chains, they should score, they should control the game, they should get the tempo. And then, I, you know, Indiana State had their, their quarterback knocked out of a target from South Dakota State uh, last week, but he should be back this week. Um, they have a receiver that is really good in Dante Hendricks that, that is really going to leave Indiana State with some a lot of records, if not near the top in other categories. And UND has given up some big plays in the secondary. UND has also not gotten to a quarterback consistently like they did maybe earlier in the season. So there's a lot of things that on the should line, I'd love to tell you that they're going to go in there and, and, and control the ground game and the clock and, and win 34 to, to 14 and fly back and let's go <laughs> but it's a road game in the valley right. <laughs> you know guys is it's a road game in the valley and, and brad you just mentioned it you know north dakota state was down at half to indiana state that's not where you want to be if, if you're und coming up tomorrow so i'm i'm curious and it's an early turnaround you know boom we fly land they'll be in meetings we'll get up at really early it's 11 o'clock pre noon kickoff and see you later well, the weather might be a factor. They very good oh, chance of yeah. some rain and uh, south southwest winds twenty to thirty miles an hour tomorrow. So uh, that it might Ouch. be might, might be a lot of Smith and Hoosman uh, running the football tomorrow. <laughs> I and that's not just what you hunt with the, um, the Smith and Hoosman. Remember, <laughs> remember, Derek, when your dad first bought you your Smith and Hoosman. Anyway, I, the, I um... don't, but yeah, but uh, it was something along that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just heard. I just bumped into Paul Ralston. We did a we did the, a gear exchange at the uh, the Roadhouse Cafe, uh, the uh, here in Grand Forks. But we uh, he said, did I just hear someone say they upped the wind to near fifty mile an hour gusts tomorrow? Aye, aye, aye. And I went, yikes! You sprinkle in a little bit of rain, and this is a field that it's it's open. The stands are on one side. You know, it may be where I think directionally speaking, I think it'll block some of it. But you know, if it's forty or fifty, that's a uh, so there goes maybe a kicking game, you know, the passing game. So you're right, Brad. Maybe it will be the smooth, smooth and Hoosman, I was about to say, the Smith and Hoosman uh, combo platter. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll see it. I, I think uh, we, you and I have talked about, I think if, any, if UND seven wins would get them uh, in, so you look at this week and then home with South Dakota, and that might be enough. Uh, to get him into the uh, postseason. We will let you go, save travels, enjoy uh, Paradise, and uh, uh, yeah, bring me back <laughs> right. Bring me back a souvenir. Uh, I'll bring, I'll bring you back some, 
I'll bring you back some keychains from the federal prison. I think. If is I there a, a Larry Bird and, uh, statue there? Is there? I mean, I. You know what's interesting, Derek? And I know we got to. I know we got to break and all that, but um, uh, and Doug Lear coming up, I think. But uh, uh, Brad, I was tooling around, Derek. Did you realize John Wooden is from that area, Terre Haute? Hmm. And not. Uh, Mick Mars from Motley Crue is from that area. Really, Tommy John. Tommy John is from Terre Haute, been no to high school in Terre Haute, India. I was learning more about Terre Haute than I'll ever need to know, by the way, uh, heading in. So, yes, I'll More than any I'll of us need to know, probably. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'll take the information. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> hey, good luck to your Trojans tonight, man. And, Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you guys as we get back. Yes. All right, very good. Safe travels. Uh, Jack Michaels uh, headed to uh, Terre Haute, UND, and Illinois, Indiana State. 11 a.m. pregame noon kickoff over on KFGO tomorrow. We'll talk uh, some hockey. UND's going to be shorthanded this uh, weekend with their series with Omaha. We'll do that a little later on in the hour. And we'll talk some uh, deer hunting opener with uh, our friend Doug Lear from Game and Fish, North Dakota Game and Fish. We'll do that in just a few moments. Jack Michael Show on a Friday on The Fan. 12 at 24. Jack Michael Show, Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in, Travis Dunn hanging out, and our good friend. He's part of the KFGO morning crew. Also, uh, biologist with the Game and Fish Department in North Dakota, Doug Lear. Hello, Doug. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Uh, great to join you. I was just thinking of the games that you guys are going to be taking in, and I, I would ask if if you could shoot me a text message if the chain gang has switched from camouflage to blaze orange now, because that's, uh, that's should a be. pretty good sign. Yeah, for, it should be, for sure. For sure. doesn't matter much inside with... All these Minnesota teams, you know, deciding who's going to state in North Dakota. We always enjoy that. I mean, that's always kind of a fun thing for us to say. But, uh, yeah, for this weekend, it's got to be a lot of that, right? I mean, it, it it is kind of unfortunate that so many of these games do coincide with uh, the opening of deer hunting. I don't know, but at, at the same time, we thank you guys for the coverage because there's a lot of hunters and right. there's also a lot of game wardens and biologists that are so thankful that they can turn on the radio and they can listen to hockey and football and they can be out whether it's deer hunting if they got a tag or or pheasant hunting, so it's really kind of the best of both worlds for a lot of people. Obviously, if they've got if they've got skin in the game, if they've got kids that are playing, that they're going to be on the sidelines. But the way the the way the weather is shaping up, it's it should be. We started our deer season in North Dakota 25 minutes ago at 12 noon, and while a lot of hunters would prefer to have snow on the ground for tracking, maybe a little bit of colder temperatures, even than what we have right now. One of the things that better in terms of warmer and, and not as snowy and cold temperatures do is people that just want to go out and go for a walk. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't throw up much of a barrier for them. They can go out and walk all day long and not be worrying about frozen fingers or there's sometimes on a deer opener, we're talking about snowstorms and blizzards and pickup trucks are getting stuck. And I uh, don't have to be a meteorologist to look out the window today and go, we don't have to worry about that for the deer opener in North Dakota and Minnesota. That's for that's a nice thing. With the recent dry conditions, Doug, will that have uh, an effect on uh, the deer population or what people may encounter this weekend? Well, you bring up a good point. I'm glad you referenced that, Brad, because we really want to make sure that, especially, you, know, you might be living in you know Grand Forks or Fargo and go, "Wow, my my garden and lawn have been dry this fall," and you get out into to the rural areas, and we really want to stress the potential for fire danger. And there's a lot of places across the state where uh, you can't have any kind of uh, an outdoor fire type situation. Some people like to have fire at deer camp and, and things like that. So you need to check wherever you're going. And the best advice be, would, would really be, to, if you don't have to, don't do it. The last thing uh, any, any rural fire department wants to do is go out and battle a, a prairie fire when they want to be 
checking out the game on 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 a Saturday afternoon. So that's a, a really good point. The dry conditions, as far as deer, in the long term, we're definitely going to need some precipitation to get that habitat growing back. But this fall, I think when it comes to the field conditions, it's nice to have all that corn off. A lot of the hunters are thankful for that. A lot of the farmers are happy. They right. can be out there deer hunting and, and not trying to get the, the corn and the soybeans. So when it comes to the, the, the drought this fall, it's probably going to be more of an impact if we go through the winter without any moisture and we get into the springtime. But as we sit right now, it's definitely a, a concern from the fire index, not as much of a, of a concern for the, for the, de- the deer population right now. Yeah, and I, I guess it's one of those things too, where I'm, I'm guessing some deer are gonna want to be hanging around some, you know, small rivers and creeks and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, they, they need water yeah. just like we do. No, you're you're absolutely right. It does uh, change up the hunt a little bit. You might see more activity from hunters working a shelter belt, uh, maybe the edge of some taller grass. The deer shouldn't be in the, the big thick CRP and in the deep of the sloughs right now. I heard you, I heard a little reference to the wind, and if that wind picks up on on Sunday, that's going to take that, that fire danger index, um, you know, to the next level. So again, we can't stress enough. Everybody wants to get out there and have some fun. This is, as you guys have been talking about, this is, you know, one of the greatest times of year for playoff football and for deer hunting. And uh, there's a safety component for hunters wearing blaze orange hats and wearing their blaze orange vests. There's the concern about wildfire, but it's also when you, when you get down to it, it's also about, dads and sons and uncles and neighbors um you know it's, it's sometimes easier to get the old football team back together on the deer opener that is on on thanksgiving so it's really kind of a, a great a great tradition that's being renewed all across not just in north dakota but north dakota minnesota and wherever you're at south dakota whatever kind of outdoor hunting that you're doing deer pheasant ducks geese uh you know if you don't have a deer tag gosh get out there and there's there's so many other opportunities that are, that are out there right now yeah, when you look at it too, on it's always been a quirky thing when North Dakota opens up on the you know noon on a Friday and Minnesota the next day. It's it's just been that way as long as I remember. Yeah, you want to change that? You talk about a three class system in North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, started a debate. Go ahead and try changing the deer opener from twelve noon, guys. Let me know how that works for you. No, is there a reason why it doesn't start in the morning at dawn like in other places or, or just? Well, I mean, there, it, it's actually kind of interesting. There's a lot of things that it gives deer an opportunity to bed down and gives the, the, the hunters a chance. If you, you might live in Fargo and you deer hunt in Harvey, well, you take off on Friday morning and instead of having to maybe take a, a full day off. Not, not that guys wouldn't do that. They'd, they'd be more than happy to take a little more time off. But uh, part of it now where we're sitting in 2022 is it's about the tradition and don't don't you go messing with deer season, Derek? No, no, I'm, I'm I ain't touching it. That's for sure. But I just I'm just curious why that is. You know, I think every state's different how they do it. You know, the tags are different. There's yep. you know just the way that Minnesota does it versus North Dakota, and I guess everyone has their own reason for it. It seems yeah. like it seems like Doug and I have. I guess I just kind of go by my just. My windshield time that I uh, they take going to driving to games or driving to driving to see mom and dad or whatever the case is, but seem like uh, is the population deer population down a little bit or what are the numbers coming into the weekend? Yep, it has been it has been down. Uh, we had the nasty drought in 2021 that really um, put a put a damper on the habitat. Then we had a not a CWD but an epizootic hemorrhagic disease, an EHD, a, a different a different disease that really uh, you know, 
knocked our deer population back, not as much in our backyard, but definitely in central and in western North Dakota. So the overall tag numbers are down 8,000 from last year. And we put a lot of credence into what, you know, guys like you're seeing on your drive, whether it's the mail carrier, the bus driver, the football coach that's, you know, driving back and forth. And your, your, your eyes are, are spot on is that our deer population is, is definitely down a little bit. And hopefully if we get a little more moisture on the ground, we can grow that habitat back a little bit. We can, we can see a few more deer on the ground and put a few more deer tags out there. And unfortunately, there's a, a lot of people listening that wish they would be deer hunting this weekend across North Dakota. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, the, the, it's one of those things, too, where no one ever is very happy with you guys uh, come early fall, right? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I say it a little bit with a smile. We'd love, we'd love to give everybody a buck tag. We, we just absolutely would love to give everybody a buck tag. But when it comes down to it, the, uh, the supply and demand situation is still a little bit out of whack or yeah. a lot out of a whack for people that have been putting in for five or six years without drawing a tag. I will say our archery deer licenses in North Dakota, they're not limited by lottery. They're not limited by unit. And that season, our, our archery deer season goes until January 1st. So the way this weather is going, if you've never thought of bow hunting and you really want to put venison in the freezer, you didn't draw a deer, deer tag by, by all means. Uh, buy yourself a bow and, and take up archery hunting. Mm, very good. Yeah, that's uh, we're seeing um, a lot of that with archery and trap shooting, and that's where it's become competitive, very competitive in a lot of schools, especially rural schools. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. We've seen our, our archery in the schools program, our clay target leagues yep. across the state. And the cool thing is we're seeing a lot of crossover. Uh, you know, there's there's men and women, boys and girls, that they can, they can shoot the three and they can shoot the bow. And that hand-eye coordination, uh, they, they also can, can pick up some finer tips on hand-eye coordination going from the field and, and archery hunting and target shooting uh, to, the, to the court of basketball. So it's, it's really been kind of neat, as you referenced, Brad, to, to see the growth in some of the high school competitive leagues from archery in the schools to, to clay target leagues. And uh, on the other side of it, there, there might be some kids that really don't have an interest in uh, the bats and the balls, and they'd be more than happy competing with a bow and a shotgun, and they're finding a place as well. So if you're a coach or a fi ed teacher that's listening and your school doesn't have it, uh, by all means, I'd, I'd love to take your call. Uh, 281-1220 rings to my office, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of success that's been happening all across North Dakota, Minnesota, and South Dakota, and uh, we'd love to see that grow even more. All right, uh, Doug. We'll let you go, but uh, appreciate it, and I'd hope for a uh, for a great uh, great opener on both sides of the river. But uh, thank you for uh, thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, again, can't can't thank you guys enough for for putting those games on the radio. There's a there's a lot of hunters and, and folks like myself that are going to be be happy to tune in on a on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. So have a have a great weekend, guys. All right, sounds good, Doug Lear, uh, from uh, biologist from North Dakota Game and Fish, and of course our. Uh, Radio colleague from the KFGO Morning Crew. 12.34, we'll talk some hockey with Travis Dunn as we'll uh, get to more of the Jack Michael Show on a Friday and a busy Friday here on 740 The Fan. Twelve thirty nine on the Jack Michael Show. Jack headed to Terre Haute, Indiana, UND football in Indiana State. And uh, UND hockey on the road, as uh, Paul Ralston mentioned. They open up NCHC play in uh, in Omaha. And we uh, talk hockey on Fridays, which means it's a visit with uh, 
with Travis Dunn, and uh, well, good to good to see you. And uh, boy, it uh, doesn't get any easier. And UND is going to be uh, Brad Schlossman with the uh, story in the Grand Forks Herald. They will be uh, they will be shorthanded. Uh, they're down five guys this weekend. You know, it's the story of years. The same story repeated from last year, previous year to that. And when you look at the injury part of the equation, when you say injury. Many times, you know, I, I asked that question last year, you know, so many injuries, why now more so than years past? And many of these are concussion-related injuries because now they're being diagnosed, obviously, more readily. So it may be that part of the equation that's knocked them up. But you're right, again, they're shorthanded. Uh, hey, no excuses. you got to suck it up and go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that doesn't get easy, NCHC. Three Penrose Cups, you know, Brad – there's a lot of people that are really right now kind of going, you know what, maybe we need a coaching change up there. Maybe we're not very happy with this program. They won three Penrose Cups in a row. Are you serious? They said the same thing for a few years, but they'd get out to kind of a ho-hum start November, December, and it was kind of the same thing with Dave Haxtell, and then they would right. turn the page, get into January and February, deep into conference season, and then things would things would kind of go back to normal. Yeah, I for me, Bradbury is pretty solid. I mean, not just because you won a championship his first year, but I just think that you have that type of success. You're bringing in players. You know, they, everything's good with the. I don't think there's a grass as a greener on the other side. You don't want to end up like Nebraska football and fire Frank Solich and look for the right guy the next year. Like right. I, I just, right? I, I just I, hockey's weird. I mean, it's just a it's a quirky game that way where. In a one-game setting in the postseason, and everything's—you know—it's—it's it's tough. You can't say one that that it's the coach's fault or the player's fault. This is how it goes, you know. And the talent level—you know—Brad does a lot of USHL hockey games, right? right. 180 players from the USHL have graduated to college and onto the National Hockey League, and that's only the numbers went to the National Hockey League. Look at the guys playing in college hockey. So again, we go back to the depth of the game. You know, any program, and it's proven last Saturday night. Any program anywhere can beat anyone on a given night. Lindenwood won his first game on the road last week. Uh, you know, and Linden was brand new, right? They were ACHA, and now, of course, they're, they're Division One with Rick Zombo as a head coach. They are being successful out of the gate. So, you know, for us to think, you know, and, and I put uh, – I did – I don't – I rarely comment on comments on Facebook about people that are jumping off the cliff, but I go back to 1972 when I was a kid in 10th grade at Transcona Collegiate in Winnipeg watching the Russians – Hand it to the Canadian, you know, in the Summit Series, that first, you know, uh, you know USSR versus Canada in hockey. And, and we as Canadians thought we owned the game, right? You know, no one can come and beat, beat us. We own this game. Well, they came in right. and handed it on a platter yep. to the Canadian team right out of the gate in the first four games played in Canada. And I tell you what, talk about talk about people that were down, crestfallen. That, that's our game. Well, UND is, is a great program, obviously. I'm fortunate enough to have come through it. Eight national championships. They're harder to win now. It will continue to be harder and harder to win because the depth is so good across all platforms. We want the game to grow. 64 teams and hopefully UNLV, hopefully USC, hopefully UCLA. And that's the great growth of the game. And that then it does become harder to win national championships. But you know what? You want the competition level. We go back to when I played Michigan Tech or Colorado College. Those are guaranteed eight nothing wins. That's how scoring records were made by guys like Greg Johnson, who has I, I can't remember how many points he had, but you don't see that now. Uh, uh, Kevin Maxwell was a teammate of mine, eighty-seven points in his freshman year. 
Well, 87 points is what a couple the, the leading score in the league gets over the course of two years. It's just so much better hockey right across the board. I had Craig Ludwig on last night, uh, an old teammate of mine on on a national championship team. He won two of them in 80-82 and in two Stanley Cups. But he was saying, you know, heck, I wouldn't even make a UND hockey team today. This is a guy that played 17 years in the National Hockey League. It's changed that dramatically. Well, let's uh, kind of bring up the point with Arizona State. They really did take a leap of faith. No conference affiliation. They've been able to find games. Um, we've seen so far this year they played at Duluth. They went to Bemidji, so they've been willing to travel. Yep. Um, do they become the blueprint, say, for uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, or maybe now with Southern Cal and UCLA going into the Big Ten? Do they, be, they become maybe not the blueprint but a blueprint to maybe ex- put college hockey in places it's never been. Well, UNLV has played Denver and lost 10 nothing. UNLV played, I believe, Alaska or Alaska Anchorage. I, I'm not sure of the exact schedule, but they're they're dabbling in a Division One schedule with an ACHA program. And so, again, you look at the recruiting opportunities. Okay, let's be realistic here, guys. If I'm a guy that's – if I if I have opportunities, I had none. I wasn't recruited. So I went, obviously, to where, where it was the best option for me at that point, and that was UND. But if you're being recruited – you're, you're walking around the Arizona State campus. It's January. Right. You know, they got a brand new 5,000-seat arena that they do share with the National Hockey League team. So you're rubbing shoulders with guys that are playing in the big leagues. And and, and you're living in Phoenix and going to school. <laughs> so recruiting UNLV, uh, you know. That would be bad. It wouldn't be bad. You know, you, this place is getting in trouble, of course. But, you know, hey, the weather's not bad in, in, the, in the hockey season. And you get to travel. To where it's cold, then you get to go back home again. So again, the recruiting part of it's harder. Brad Berry has said many times that recruiting is so tough because now many of the other programs are throwing, do you want a UND education or do you want an Arizona State education? Or University of Michigan has that big M or University of Minnesota. Those are education they're they're pushing as a better opportunity with better education. Well, wherever you get a degree, you get a degree. I, I don't agree with that, but that is being used in the recruiting process. So you know, as a as a young man, eighteen or nineteen, Brad, if someone said to you at, at Arizona State, "Hey, come here, we're going to give you a full ride," or you can go to Bemidji State or somewhere else, yep. not downgrading those programs, but you know, reality is January, a- January in Bemidji or January in Tempe, AS, and that's a big selling point. Gophers are coming there to Tempe Thanksgiving weekend. Wow, that would be bad. That will get uh, that'll get a few uh, Twin Cities people. Yeah, I would think to, so. Uh, Good excuse to get out here. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And that's and that's again the, the best part of the game is the growth of it. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I'd shown you the the picture from Denver where they where you had a sign in Denver now the home of hockey or something <laughs> right. along that line. And I mentioned that to my broadcast partner Scott Taylor. Uh, you know, we do our show on Thursdays on KFGO, and just I said. What do you think about that? He said, that's fantastic. I know, yeah, it makes people in War Road mad. It makes people in Detroit mad, perhaps. But it's just the growth of the game. I wish there was 50 cities that said they were the the home of hockey. And we're seeing that growth, and they can all say that they're home of hockey. But that's just the growth of this great game. Yeah, no doubt about that. You can see it from, I think, from the, just I'll bring it down to a local level, the USHL, just, you know, talk about, we talked about this in your show last week, just the number of guys moving up, I think, internationally, too, we're seeing that where you're seeing players of the USHL coming from uh, internationally and maybe more from Canada, maybe 
bypassing some of the junior leagues, not all of them, but they get a few here and there that, uh, that come to the States. You know, the goal of most of these players is to get to NCAA hockey now. They see that as a great conduit, but they also see it from an education perspective. And, and, and I've had this conversation with many times again back with Scott. He says if, you know, if you're a, an elite player, you go to the Western Canada League, you play your 75 games, you're drafted first round, you sign an NHL contract. Well, we've seen a lot of those guys fail. Because of the fact that, you know, maturity-wise, physically, yes, emotionally, no. Uh, 22, a 23, a 24-year-old, maybe 25-year-old in college now, because you get your fifth year, you got guys that are much more mature emotionally who can step into a, a, the grind called the National Hockey League. The professional athletics is extremely hard, as we all know. And, um, you know, so they're, I think they're much more set up for success by, by going the USHL, going to the NCAA, getting that additional development time. I think that's so much more important than playing 75 or 80 games a year. You know, and you even see guys, too, because we've seen it with some, with some Moorhead guys. I know Ben Myers did this when he was here. They would come here, start the year with the USHL team, with the Force. Carter Ranclove did this, too, for a time when he was with the Force. Go back and play high school hockey, and then once the high school season is done, come back and play in the USHL, and hopefully a playoff run. You might be playing into May. Exactly, and then you don't give – you don't – take away that experience of graduating with your high school classes either right. or playing with those high school teammates. So yeah. there's so many so many advantages that way and you're not moving, you know, not at 15 or 16 years of age, moving from, uh, I know, Brandon, Manitoba to Kamloops, British Columbia to play hockey. As a parent, that's hard to do. And, and I, 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 never, I was never put in that position, so thank goodness. I, and frankly, I don't know if that had been for my family or not. But I, I wouldn't want to see my kids leave. I had a conversation a few years ago. Uh, Sammy Steele played for the Force. His uh, parents, as I talked to his dad, came from Hershey, Pennsylvania, in that area. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, was that hard for you to see him, you know, Lee? I think he was 17 at the time. He had one more year of high school. And he says, our feeling was, and we talked it over with him and said, he was going to leave next year anyway. He was ready to go. We we thought, okay, we we feel confident that he's making the right decision here, and he's going to be comfortable, and they're going to take care of him here. And he says we he says it was it was a decision that he says both of us were comfortable with, and it worked out fine. Yeah, but not everybody's like that. Well, no, not everyone is, and not everyone's ready to take that step. But one thing these guys, these programs put together, and Brad Fargo Forcer are a classic example of that. The Billet families they 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 vet to make sure that they're in a great environment. There have then many of these people become family to these guys after they leave. Correct. This the program here in Fargo or Tri City or wherever else they're at. So they really take care of the players because it's obviously very important. You ruin one reputation, right? It takes you forever to build a reputation. It only takes one incidence to break that reputation down. So they work very hard to make sure that these are great experiences for these young men. Yep, very true. So Ten before one. Uh, let's see what uh, I actually quick on the NHLs. Like the felt like the Wild have turned the corner, and then <laughs> yeah. that, that, that and a clunker clunk. last night against the Kraken. Dave Hoxtall, very happy. It's uh, looking at him in the uh, on the uh, behind the boards there. He looked very very happy, and he, r- rightfully so. You know, Philadelphia was a tough tough process for him. Uh, the first year in Seattle obviously wasn't the greatest, but now they have a team obviously that are. Is, they got the what the largest defensive core, largest the tallest defensive core in the National Hockey League. Uh, they have a pretty talented hockey team, and it's easy to be a happy coach at winning games four nothing. Uh, Wild, you know, now a couple points behind Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a six three and one, I believe, at this point, mm-hmm. being beating Montreal in the shootout last night, or not in the shootout in overtime last night. Uh, 
And then we're also talking, Brad, looking at St. Louis, where they are. Colorado's in the lower echelon of their division right now. Neck and neck with the Wild. This is the end of a 500 team right now. Exactly. It's like, again, the volatility aspect of it. Who would have thought St. Louis would be down at the very bottom? Because last year they're very close to taking a really solid run at it. So, you know, (laughs) it's hard to explain it, but sure is a great time of the year. And the Wild, yeah, the Wild have, you know, played well. Last night wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it does. That's just kind of frustrating for Minnesota. Two and four at home on home ice this year. And it's just, I yeah, think it's weird. among a lot of the sports, and especially we've seen it in the postseason, I think hockey's a sport where home ice overrated. What do you think? It can be. You know, I guess it depends upon how good you are with your getting your last shift out there and that type of thing, if that, if that does matter. But it, it seems like it wouldn't be. You think that you'd feed off the energy. I mean, didn't you feed off the energy quite a bit at home? When absolutely, you, you do. Yeah. You do absolutely. But it, it, sometimes, but to Brad's point, you look at the records. Some years, it's like it's Road Warrior City going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I guess say I can go yeah. back. You can go back last handful of years. I think starting with Kerry Eads with the Force, where they've been just as good on the road as they have at home. And I mean, they're two and three lost last night, a one goal loss. But you know, I think they're two and three at home this year, or, or like two losses and an over and a shootout loss. So there are times when you're playing home games, though, where you you don't play the same way you do play on the road, right? I mean, they say you know you, you're as distractions a, at home, distractions at home. You try to do a little bit more flamboyant stuff when you're in front of your own fans, and and sometimes that doesn't work out. So you go on the road, you play what you call that classic road game, right? You win by if you get up by a goal, you just clamp down defensively and play it tight and. And sometimes playing at home doesn't work. So, again, this is awful early in the season. We make this analysis with the Wild or St. Louis or Colorado. The cream rises to the top at some point. One thing I'm amazed at last night is Kaprizov didn't score a goal. He's been pretty doggone good at that this year so far, hasn't he? Yep. Or this season. Yep, no doubt about that. Uh, around the rink tomorrow at 9, now what's on the agenda? Well, we got the coach of... The Fargo Force. Right. Nick Oliver will be joining us talking about, well, the tonight's game, obviously. It'll be last night, tomorrow morning. We'll figure that one out. Maybe that'll be the name, <laughs> name of the show. Last night, this morning. Then, uh, uh, of course, uh, the, the high school hockey season's right around the corner. Yes. And our North Star financial focus will be uh, with Tim Scarprew of the Red River Rough Riders. The season uh, you know, right around the corner. And uh, Gage Osmus will be joining me, the, the host of the Has Been's podcast, uh, 2016 uh, national champion at UND, and uh, have a great conversation about what started the Has Beens podcast. And uh, I was a, a guest recently, so I had a lot of fun with those guys. All right, 9 a.m. tomorrow here on the uh, Fan. We appreciate it, sir, it. for uh, joining us. As uh, we'll put the wraps here on the show coming up. UND hockey tonight on KFGO yes. at Omaha, 6:30 on the pregame faceoff. A little after seven with uh, Tim Hennessy and Darren Looker. Here on the fan, playoff football, Bob Roars will bring you Fargo North and Fargo South in 11A semi. Winner heads to the Dakota Bowl. 6.30 kickoff, pregame about 6.15. And on Jack FM 1019 uh, FM, Tri-City in the fourth game two of that series. I'll have the call for you on that. 7.05 on the faceoff. Pregame will be at 6.50. Tomorrow here on the fan, 2 o'clock playoff football, Class 11B, Central Cass at Beulah. The Squirrels trying to make their first trip to the uh, Dakota Bowl, Beulah has beat Central Cass the last six meetings going back about a decade. Two o'clock kickoff and then game six of the World Series from ESPN Radio starting at six. So busy weekend here on the fan and our properties. Go for football also tomorrow on Jack FM. For Derek Hansen and Travis Dunn, I'm Brad Anderson. Have a great weekend here on the fan. <laughs>